So welcome, everybody. Today, we have a very special guest on the show, one of my oldest, dearest friends, Carmen Townsend. Um, Today's episode is really just going to be a conversation um, just about everything that is going on right now in the world um, and just Black people rallying together, fighting against police brutality. But specifically for today's episode, we are focusing on Black women um, and just the erasure of Black women's voices and stories from the movement and from the limelight of what is going on. So if you could just introduce yourself, your name, you know, where are you located right now and what are you passionate about? Okay. Well, hello everyone. Um, my name is I graduated from Clark University with a degree in political science. Um, I'm currently in New York City. Um, um, when I was at Clark Atlanta, um, I focused on research and specifically searching issues that dealt with Black people and um, voter apathy. Um, with all of this that's happened, I hope in researching Black people in general and moved on to Black movements and specifically the Say Her Name movement. Um, that's something that I'm really passionate about, something that I'm passionate about right now. Um, I'm also passionate about um, fashion um, and activism <laughs> and um, just being involved um, yeah. in politics and your political uh, system on a local um, and state level specifically. Um, and yeah, that's me. <laughs> so how are you um, with everything that's kind of going on? If you just have like three words to kind of sum up how you're feeling, what would you say? <laughs> um, I would say anxious. Um, excited um, and exhausted yes <laughs> I why why those words because those really resonate with me yeah 100% right now um I'm anxious because I mean you know there's a lot going on in the world right now um things are changing pretty rapidly um just really just really what's normal is changing pretty rapidly. I feel like this has been kind of the year of um, when all of, you know, the COVID stuff started happening, especially being in New York, um, it was really scary. And I think one thing, it took me a while to kind of cope with the fact of like the, the mistrust that I have with like the norm, you know, like something that we never thought would happen things we thought wouldn't, you know, we never wouldn't be able to do, we can't do now. So it was just, um, that really had me anxious for a while. And then all of these things that are happening now, um, the protests and everything, really more so the response, the leadership's response has made me anxious um, yeah. about all of the protests. It's not necessarily protests. Um, that's the most American thing we can do. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so it's just really been the response of leadership. Um, and even really the Democrats, I feel like it's been, it's been really disappointing. <laughs> um, so yeah. moving on from anxious, um, excited, I'm excited because I can see the changes in people's hearts and minds that I've been wanting to see for so long, you know, things that were considered radical or impossible or far-fetched, you know, people are saying, you know, this is possible, this is happening. 
you know, in regards to police, um, you know, reform. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's something that really has me excited. Um, and I'm really excited to see, um, you know, how involved everyone is now with this fight. You know, it's turned into everyone's fight. Um, specifically in New York, when I went to protest, I was very outnumbered by the white people there. I barely okay. saw black people. We were kind of few and far between, you know? Mm. So that was, it was interesting. And it was also interesting to see that there were some white people who had their own anger now because they had been tear gassed and they had been brutalized days before. So, you know, Mm -hmm. this is truly their fight. So that made me excited. Um, And then exhausted, I mean, this year. (laughs) (laughs) It it never ends. It never ends. (laughs) It is so hard to believe that we are only six months in. Yeah. Like, there's no way that there's six months left of this year. (laughs) I just, I don't know if it will ever stop. It's like, as soon as we start to feel some semblance of normalcy, something insane happens. Yeah, and like you said, it's definitely like, you know, a lot of anxiety, a lot of, I feel worried, but I also do feel like so much energy from the revolution that is yeah. happening. Um, yeah. Like you said, and so that is empowering. So on one end, it's like, what's, what is about to happen next, Lord? But yeah. then like the other end, it's like, okay, like what's about to happen next? Right, like, exactly, what, what exactly. What, what are we about to see? Like, so it, it's a lot of energy. And so, okay, so I know you mentioned a protest, like in general, just like how have you been expressing your own activism during this time? How have you been involved? Um, so initially, um, I was just so focused on sharing information. Um, okay. It doesn't seem that, you know, important when you're just, you know, retweeting things or sharing things, but it truly is so important, especially mm-hmm. right now in this time where we, we, you know, don't necessarily need the news. You know, we can see the news on our feed all the time. You know, we don't need the news to report someone getting beat up by the police. We saw them tweet it live, you know? Right. Um, so we can retweet that. We can bring awareness to that. Um, also, because there's just so much happening, you know, it's easy to kind of forget, you know, I mean, well, you know, let things slip by or not see things, you know. So yeah. I think it's important to kind of share information. Um, and then I've been kind of moving on to just me with my activism just within myself and, yeah. you know, reading books that I've been meaning to read, you know, and really kind of researching things that I've been, you know, meaning to learn um, so that I can be a better, you know, resource for everyone. Um, and then also um, with my, um, you know, interest and passion for design and clothing, um, I recently um, bought a airbrush machine. Um, so I've been making airbrush t-shirts and things with the names of the women um, that have been killed by police. Um, and in that project, it's been very um, kind of meditative and therapeutic. You know, it's kind of, I have to meditate on their names as I spray them over and over again, trying to get it right. And just thinking about, you know, their lives and what happened to them and do they have justice? Do they not have justice? You know, things like that. So um, that's kind of what I've been doing. And then also protesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. That that is so amazing. Like it just gave me chills because what you said is so true. Um, even during, you know, this work and even during your act, you know, activism is so important to really process the grief yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, because like I think 
I was just telling somebody the other day, for me, I'm a very action-oriented person. So when stuff like this happens, I want to know immediately, like, what do I need to do? What, what petition do I need to sign? Where, where can I be helpful? How can I use my platform to be helpful? And then I felt like I was moving, moving, moving for, like, days. And then one morning I just woke up and I was just sitting and I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I'm sad yeah. about, about this, like there's a deep part of me that is like really aching for, you know, the women and their stories and their experiences. And it's just like, what can I do? And like, I really have to process, you know, that grief as well. So we definitely have to be patient with ourselves and, you know, definitely be out there, be active, but also like take breaks, give yourself time to process. um, And so that you, we can always like feel rejuvenated through it. Definitely. Interesting. It is very, very interesting. This work is something. Yeah, it's very it's really easy to get burnt out right yeah. now. Just by just just by staying updated. It's easy yeah. to get burnt out. You don't even have to do anything. Just by knowing what's going on, you know. So it's yeah. very important for people to stop, for people to grieve. Um Brianna Taylor's birthday was hard for me. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's kind of when a lot of things hit me, like, wow, it is her birthday. Like yeah. You know, like this is yeah. should have been her birthday, <laughs> you know, like she's young, not older than me, like not too older than me, you know, so it was that was really hard. But yeah, we definitely need to stop and, you know, just recharge through all of this because this is hard. You know, yeah. we need to find we need and we need to not feel guilty about finding any type of joy during this yes. time. Yes, 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 absolutely. So generally speaking, like, what do you think? has made this time, this experience with um, police brutality different? And what what makes this movement different this time? Because it feels bigger. It feels huge. It it, It has touched parts of the world. It has touched businesses. It has touched companies, you know, really ignited fire in a lot of different areas. And so what do you think has made this time different? So I think that, you know, one, um, I definitely think that COVID plays a part Mm -hmm. Um, without people with, you know, not having to go to work and being able to, you know, dedicate their, you know, time to just, you know, people can protest now, you know, way more people could that, you know, couldn't protest before can protest now, you know, so I think that's what's contributing to the numbers. Um, And also just people care a lot more now, I think. I think that every single year has passed the things that have happened, I think it's hard for white people to, you know, and people of other races to ignore that. It's hard to ignore, you know, that, wow, they have been protesting this for all these years and this still happening. You know, I think, you know, they kind of have to realize like, wow, and and wake up. And I also think that with every year that, that passes, social media becomes more ingrained in everybody. It's not just, you know, a young person's, you know, tool. It's everybody's tool. So, um, you know, people are learning more. Um, people are becoming more empathetic. Um, and I think, yeah, people are using that platform. You know, I, I saw with my own eyes all of those companies, you know, say something, you know, in solidarity with, with the Black Lives Matter movement. And then on social media, a lot of people criticized them. Like, you said something, so why aren't you donating? And then 24 hours later, all these companies started donating. You know, people right. are really using their voices in a really effective way right now. You know, we've gotten all these tools that we've been using for frivolous things. And now we're kind of like, okay, we actually kind of have the power. You know, I 
remember, you know, whenever there's a viral tweet, you see people promoting their business or their SoundCloud. Now, when there's a viral tweet, people are promoting petitions. So, you know, I think that it's just that's, you know, people are just kind of smartening up when it comes to things like that, too. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely, definitely agree. And so just speaking of, um, you know, voices during this movement, I have to just read some of the posts that you posted um, on Facebook that kind of inspired me to want to have this conversation and want to get this information out just about Black women and their stories during this time. And so you said, Black women are at risk of miscarriages at the hands of the police. Black women and Black girls are at risk of being killed in their homes, in their beds by police. Black women run the risk of being sexually assaulted by police, which is legal in most states. Black women are at risk of being killed by police who fear for their lives when we couldn't even beat them on our best day. We have a unique experience in this movement being doubly oppressed, Black and female, and it's important we use our voices for ourselves and not just Black men. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I'm getting chills all over again, like just reading, reading it. So I want to know first from you, what, what inspired you to make that post? And that was just a snippet of it. Yeah, so what inspired me? And well, what I will say first, um, I have a correction for what I said. I said that mo- um, the rape was legal in most states. It's actually 35 states. Um, states have since made it illegal since the last time I saw that statistic. So I just want to make make that correction. Yes. But yes. Um, what inspired me was just that, you know, when I get on Facebook, you know, I don't post a lot. I just kind of get on to kind of observe and see my all my baby cousins, you know, and kind of keep yeah. up. But, um, you know, I just saw that a lot of people were talking about, you know, oh, my, you know, my uncles or my brothers and, you know, my black sons. And, you know, I understand the black sons, that's your child. You're going to specify, you know, that you're worried about your child. But just the emphasis on men, specifically on Facebook that I saw, I just really kind of wanted to bring awareness to that, you know, that we are dying too, you know, and I think that it's important it's life-saving for women to know, for black women to know that, you know, because I think that it's interesting to me that, you know, we give our black men, you know, the talk about, you know, mm-hmm. who, what's your place in the society, you know, in some people's eyes and how, you know, how to behave around the police. Black women don't get that talk. And mm-hmm. we don't get that talk because there is no talk because the way we're being killed, most of us are being killed in our homes. Mm -hmm. They're being killed during mental health crises. Like they're being killed during, you know, domestic disputes. They're not being killed in their car. You know, they're not being killed in their cars or, you know, they're being killed when they should be feeling safe. There's no way to prepare for that. You know, you can't bet, you know, I mean, and even still, you know, the talk to black men, you know, even with that talk, you can still be killed, you know? So, but regardless, there really is no way to prepare for the violence that we experience. And so we just need to know about it. Wow. Yeah. I love what you said about we're being killed when we should be feeling safe. That that's deep. Yeah. Because truth. Um it, it's times when we should be feeling safe. Um and I feel like that fear is net the black woman's fear is never really addressed. Mm-hmm. Um and and the fear that we have just about our safety in general is never really addressed. It's left out of the conversation. 
And so, like you said, there is no talk. So how do you prepare for that? Yeah. Yes. And yeah, and like what you said, I feel like, you know, black women, you know, when we're painted as these, you know, we're so strong, we're the backbone of this and that, and you know, like that very well may be true, but we are still humans, you know, mm-hmm. and we still are vulnerable and, you know, we're still, you know, just because we may have this, you know, ex- you know, re- you know, tough exterior or that we have this generaliza- generalization that has actually caused harm to us, that we are yes. these strong people. You know, we really need to be aware that, you know, we can be mm-hmm. strong, but we are also still human and, you know, we feel pain and, you know, we are going through these things and we're vulnerable to, you know, all the rest of the things that other people are vulnerable to, except we have to deal with being black and female on top of all of that. Absolutely. Yes. And another thing that I you know, was thinking about, too, when I saw your post is that three black women started the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, <laughs> And it is so, and, and for, for what I'm just going to say their names, Opal, Tometi, Patrice, Coolers, I don't know if I said that right, and Alicia Gars, in 2013 started Black Lives Matter um, in response to the murder of Trayvon Martin. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, Black women are strong. We are, you know, fearless. We are motivated to do this work and we can do this work and, and you know, carry this. But like you said, we are also vulnerable and that needs to be acknowledged. So it's like, as we are, you know, acknowledging the stories of men during this time, we are missing so many stories of women um, who are suffering from, you know, police brutality, but also the new conversations that are coming out around um, sexual and physical abuse. Yeah. Um, And, you know, that's a huge conversation. And so it sometimes it seems like we can't even get to those conversations because we are so focused on the men mm-hmm. in this movement. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, you know, and I think it's something to be said that the Black Lives Matter movement was founded by Black women, but there still had to be the Say Her Name campaign founded three years, two years later, you know, yeah. in 2015, that even though it was Black women who founded it, it's still just kind of, the men just kind of, always dominate you know and I think that that's really it's it's sad I feel like I wish I wish it could all be one move it should all be one movement we shouldn't have to you know carve out a little corner in the movement for us we should all just be fighting for us you know I, yeah. I think it's and even the say her name hashtag has been co-opted when I go to protest they say say his name and you know it's like yes I mean that's good you know we should do that but also that was originally for black women Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's just interesting how we kind of have to, you know, always kind of find a way to be, you know, talked about when this is when this is set. This is I think that, you know, you know, one thing I think is um, black men are definitely brutalized more as far mm-hmm. as, you know, just violence and just, you know, being beat up, not necessarily murdered, but actually just the violence. I think that is more prevalent. So people are more focused on that because you can see that. But black women, it's more so behind closed doors, you know, Mm -hmm. and with that, with it being behind closed doors and with us not talking about it, it's like, it's not really happening. And that is just so, so heartbreaking, especially for all of these women and their families. Yeah. And it's, um, it's almost like an invisibility. Um, It's like a quiet 
just a quiet suffering. Um, and I think that that has been something that has been historically, you know, going on for the begin from the beginning of time. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, it, it's, it's, it, the invisibility is, is a real thing. And so, you know, I'm happy that the Say Her Name movement is created so that we do it you know, have this opportunity to try to amplify these voices and these experiences, um, you know, within the movement. Definitely. And I think it's, it's, um, it's also interesting when you go on their social media. Um, so the women, so they're the African American policy forum. They're the ones who created the say her name movement. Um, they did mm-hmm. um, like a whole entire report of um, telling their stories and kind of grouping them based on, you know, certain conclusions that they've drawn based on the the data um, and their experiences. And I just think it's so interesting that it's so overlooked that they have, you know, like 9,000 followers on social media, but I'm sure Black 3.2 million Black Lives Matter. You know, I think that, I think that's, that. I think that's, for me, that's kind of what, like, why I wish it could all just be one. Why do we have to have this separate little, you know, corner? Because when yeah. there's a separate little corner, you know, we get overlooked. <laughs> and I, that's, yeah. that's just so sad to me. It is. And you know what? I like that you mentioned that because, I mean, it, it just runs so deep. Like, I could probably go all day about the efforts that Black women, you know, yep. make to all of this. But especially when we're talking about race and when we're talking about um, politically driven movements and things, it is really like our black educators and our black theorizers that create the language around how we talk about Mm -hmm. race um, and, you know, how we talk about everything from critical race theory to intersectionality. Like these are things that are much needed um, and things that, folks probably don't even know that they use but these are black women that have kind of created and <laughs> yep, pioneered all of this <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you know when you're talking about dealing with being a being black and being a woman black women have in, in the education field and you know they have created this whole like all of this data and all of this um you know i i like to think of it as you know, archiving our history mm-hmm. on, you know, our social, just like our social movements, they, they created that, but we don't know their names. Yep, so. <laughs> we don't know their names. You don't know their names and you only know if you do the research or, and if you know to look. And so, by the way, I will be putting all kinds of resources and names of women who have been a, contributing to this movement in the description that's of this good, episode. So I will not be leaving y'all <laughs> at all <laughs> in the dust because, but we have to have um, one, one of the students that I had interviewed for my research in my graduate program, she's a black female historian. And so she was just talking to me in depth about how important it is to archive our history. So, you know, that's the thing that I'm thinking about now. I'm yeah. looking at everything kind of going on. I'm looking at, you know, things that are going on for black women. And I'm wondering who's archiving this, who's telling our story, mm-hmm. who is making sure that it's factual, um, who is making sure that it's acknowledged and amplified. And so as much as possible, we have to share those hashtags. We have to be a part of them. We have to be a part of the conversation. Yep. 
because like you said that look being in that little corner it just gets unrecognized we we go unrecognized so it's so so important definitely so if we could if you would tell me just like your thoughts around um what role do you think the news and media kind of play in this i know we talked a little bit about the say her name movement um and just how important it is to amplify those voices but what are your thoughts around just in general how the news and media are a part of the acknowledgement or non-acknowledgement of black women's stories and experiences um i definitely think that i mean they play a major role um but also you know, I think that they, I feel like the news at this point, because people um, are just sharing so much all the time, they kind of go based on the trends, like, you know, the trends that exist already, instead mm-hmm. of reporting news that might be important. Um, because I noticed that, you know, when George Floyd, um, you know, a week ago, it was all about, you know, George Floyd, George Floyd, George Floyd. And people were saying like, hey, what about Brianna? What about Brianna? Um, yeah. And then just just recently, I think over the past three or four days, people have really been, kind, I think since her birthday, since Friday, people have okay. really been kind of, you know, more so vocal about Brianna. And now all of a sudden I'm seeing her, you know, in major news, you know, news sources now. So it's kind of like they're kind of following the trends. Um, so it's partly on us, but it's also on them. You know, you have a platform. You, you know, that's what the news was supposed to do before, you know, we had kind of a, a, a hand in it. So, um, yeah. you know, they definitely are at fault. Yeah, I and I think that's the thing. I remember earlier in the interview, you talked about the mistrust. I think that is probably one of the things for me that I've had to really sit with and think about is like, why don't we know anything about this? Yeah. Um, you know, why are we hearing Breonna Taylor's story, what, weeks later, a month later? Like, and, you know, how did that start? Like, we, how can we make sure that we are getting news up to date, factual, the truth about what is going on? And it's like, we, you know, I feel like it's 50% on us to search for the information, mm-hmm. search for the stories, search for what's going on. But also we have, like you said, these major news outlets and it is literally y'all's responsibility. Like that is your job to get the story and to bring the stories to the people. And so I feel like it's just really been disheartening to watch Breonna Taylor's story happen. Um, and, And then as maybe the outrage is happening over Breonna and George Floyd to then see multiple women's stories come forward um, that we had no clue about. So as people are trying to process what's going on with George Floyd, what's going on with Breonna Taylor, how can we make sure that we are being active in those? We're getting multiple stories coming up from weeks ago, Mm -hmm. months ago, and then in real time at these protests, police are literally, you know, committing crimes in In front of all of us. In front of all of us. And so how, it's like, how do you process all of this at the same time? It's, it's incredible. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a lot of just overload of information, you know, with, yes. with it being in all 50 states. And, you know, I think it was, was it 18 countries? Um, it's, it's just so much footage and so much. And, you know, for me personally, I've 
kind of made the decision within myself, especially from these protests that, you know, the major news sources that I follow, you know, they're just kind of there so I can see what, what everyone else is saying, you know, what the, what the majority of the country is saying. But I get my news directly from Twitter, which is, it sounds crazy, but I mean, it has been the most reliable source because people post yeah. videos of them, you know, getting beat up. And it's like, yeah, this is me. This just happened to me like five minutes ago, you know, like make this go viral. So these people, you know, know what they did. Um, yes. so I, I just, I trust that more. I feel like, you know, the media, there was, I mean, I saw dozens of videos of people being pepper sprayed and beat up and, you know, attacked unprovoked. And I think in the major news, I did not see a lot of videos like that. Yeah. I did no. not. Yeah. I, and, and, and the way they were like showing the protests, it, it was really interesting because I don't know what everybody's experience was, but the protest that I went to, which is here in Houston, which is where George Floyd's family is mm-hmm. from. Of course, tons of people were coming out. Um, it was in fact peaceful. Um, and it was something that I had never seen before. Yeah. In terms of, I mean, there were people cleaning up. There wasn't a can on the mm-hmm. ground. People walking around with trash bags, making sure that you know, things were picked up, taken care of, that, you know, there wasn't trash everywhere. There was people passing out masks. There was people passing out water, people passing out um, hand sanitizer. I mean, it seemed like everybody had a role. Yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly how it was in New York. And it was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. And, and so I, I just need the news to do better. <laughs> I, I really, they really do. And, I, you know, it's crazy that it's not lost on me that these protests have become increasingly peaceful as the police have become increasingly exhausted and overworked and are unable to be out in the same numbers and capacity that they have been. When I was yeah. out there um, on Saturday, I maybe saw maybe 40 cops total. And I walked eight miles oh. all, through, all from Brooklyn to Manhattan. So there was not a lot of cop presence there, you know, and it was extremely peaceful because they weren't there to antagonize it, you know, literally, (laughs) literally like, you know, okay. So I know that you stay very connected to everything that's kind of going on politically. Um, And so in the case of like Breonna Taylor's situation, um, her story's out there, but what now? What should we be doing now to kind of continue advocating for her and for other women? Um, I think that we should be. um, So I have been, sorry, I have been sending emails. Well, I have a link in my uh, Instagram bio that kind of, it's an auto-populated email and it takes you right there where you can email um, the Louisville prosecutor's um, office. Um, So really we need to be applying pressure on them um, and also the governor of Louisville. Um, I think that it's important for people to know exactly who to, you know, focus on. You know, I saw a lot of yeah. people were, you know, ups- I saw that video of Mayor Frey getting booed out of a protest, you know, a couple of days ago. <laughs> and, you know, it was, it's, you know, it was interesting to watch. But um, I was like, you know, you guys, he, he's just the mayor. You know, I don't think people understand, like, the roles that, you know, these people have. You need to be focusing on the actual pro- the people that would do the prosecuting, the prosecutor's office. You know, 
Okay. So we need to be focusing on the prosecutor's office in Louisville. Um, and we need to be focusing um, on applying pressure on the governor because the governor would have that type of power to kind of, you know, okay. put some pressure um, on these things. And for as far as other cases, um, I think right now we need to be just boosting them and getting people to care. Because, you know, if, if it's just me emailing the governor, you know, that's nothing. But if I get, you know, thousands of people to be emailing the governor, you know, then that's that's something. So for all of the other okay. women, we just need to be getting their stories out there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Retweet, repost, everything that you can do. Um, our social media platforms are a lot stronger, you know, than you might think, <laughs> even if you got a couple mm-hmm. little followers you know making sure you are just being a part of that um okay and so I kind of want to know where do you just as a black woman going through this right now where do you find support and how do you remain motivated to do the work and to be active in your activism um I find the motivation personally um from my nieces and nephews and like all of the young people in my life and just the young kids in general black kids people of color all kids (laughs) you know it's really I really do it for them you know everything that I do every you know seemingly liberal view that I you know believe in people think you know that it may be far-fetched but it may be far-fetched now but you know 20 years from now when you know my nieces and nephews are out in the world navigating it I, it could not be you know because i said something you know maybe it'll be better for them so they definitely motivate me um and also as i've been you know going back and reading books reading you know people like Nikki Giovanni and Angela Davis and just kind of really just focusing on just the excellence and you know that I come from and that I'm a part of you know black women I just want to make them proud I want to make us all look good you know I want us to be you know you know we are mistreated and we're forgotten so I just want to be the best for us yes say excellence okay say that that is so true what are some ways that you would encourage men and allies to uplift, support, and advocate for Black women during this time? Um, so what would you, you know, say to folks who want to be a part of, you know, amplifying our experiences and our stories? So the first thing that I would say to them and to Black women as well, everyone needs to go and read the Say Her Name report. Um, because okay. it is it is perfect. You know, it's well um, designed. It's not some like stuffy, you know, 60 page, you know, words. It's got, you know, it's graphically designed. It's really easy to navigate and it tells you their stories. You can't do anything until you stop and read all of their stories. Um, It's just, it will light a fire in you, you know, to just see like these, you know, these women that, you know, are going through these things. It's not, it's not okay, you know? And once you know, I feel like if you don't feel that fire after knowing all of this, then I don't know if you're even an ally that is, is worth having to me. Yeah. So once you have that, um, I think that you need to next, you know, amplify their stories and then make a decision within yourself that you will actively 
be aware that these stories are being pushed down so that you so you need to go harder for them you know Um, I think people just need to make that decision within themselves and really recognize like okay this isn't something that I'm not going to be a part of the you know pushing down these stories I'm going to be the one that's going to lift these stories up I'm not going to stand by I'm not going to scroll past a woman you know who is brutalized I'm not going to not retweet it I'm going to make sure that people know yes that is so important and I feel like too um centering black women in the storytelling of their stories you know if if you have the opportunity to um give someone else a platform if you can't find the words and you see you know someone else who did kind of explain your thoughts better Mm -hmm. than you could um retweet that exactly (laughs) don't feel don't feel like you have to say everything and that you have to you know find the perfect words because you know you You might might not not. yeah so (laughs) you just might not you might not we don't always have the right words but you can always center somebody else's um storytelling and and experience Mm -hmm. so support support whoever you feel follow people that you feel um you know align with your views and align with with where you want to get your information from find resources and people that you Mm -hmm. trust um, to follow and to connect with. I, I definitely would say that too. Okay. And so um, what sources do you use to stay up to date and current um, with what's going on, whether they are specific to New York or just in general? Um, so specific to New York, um, I follow an Instagram justice for Floyd NYC. Um, and that has mm-hmm. been, an invaluable resource in all of this as far as the um, protests and uh, community organizing and activism goes. It's kind of like a one-stop shop for anything that could be going on in New York City or Brooklyn or Queens at any time. Um, So that's been a really good resource for me um, as far as just activism and getting out there. Um, As far as getting my information um, of what's kind of currently happening I've said before that I've kind of just kind of stayed on Twitter um and I wouldn't even mm-hmm. say <laughs> specific accounts um I think that I've kind of you know the people that I've, nat- I've naturally decided to follow I've kind of been you know been retweeting and good at putting things in my information but I would say that I'm mean, in my feed but I would say that the explore feed on Twitter is a great resource okay I mean you know if there's anything you're interested in just type it in the search bar you know, and you can you yeah. can see anything that, you know, you're interested in. And you the thing I like about Twitter and social media in general is that if you see something and you agree with it and you read the replies, there might be someone saying, wait, this isn't true. Or there might be someone like, here's here's the link saying that this is you know true or things like that. That's been a really, really invaluable resource for me, because like I've said, I feel like the media is not really moving fast enough and giving us enough information um at all um and then also the african-american policy forum um is a really really great resource um for the say you know it's the birthplace of the say her name um foundation so there's a lot of data um about black women and that stories things like that um so that's been helpful for me specifically with learning about black women Yes, yes. Thank you for sharing those. And I will make sure that I link all of this in the description so that people can follow and pick and, you know, pick, choose whatever, you know, um, 
news and media forums uh, fuel you mm-hmm. and work best with you know how you learn but yes I would definitely be linking all of those yeah and I'll definitely those. I'll give you some like specific names on Twitter that um, have been good for me yeah. yes um, okay so my last question for you is what is something new that you've learned during this time whether it's a quote that you saw or something that you read um, or just something that you saw that kind of gave you like an aha moment hmm That's hard. It's funny, actually, I think the biggest aha moment that I had was when I learned, when I really was just kind of thinking about learning about Black women, and I thought to myself, like, wow, we really don't get a talk. You know, that was kind of something that really clicked in my head, like, whoa, there's no way to kind of stay away from what's happening to us, you know? Um, You know, you're getting killed with your playing video games with your nephew you know I see Jefferson like that was that was awful you know so I think that that was kind of a big aha moment for me a quote mm-hmm. that really kind of gave me kind of an aha moment was when someone I saw someone say that this system isn't broken it's working just fine like, this is how the system was designed, this criminal justice system um, and the policing and everything in this country. You know, it's not some broken, oh, my God, we need to fix it. It is just not right. It's working how it should. It's just not working for us. And that's not and that's yeah. exactly how it should, you know, was designed to be. So we need to be working mm-hmm. towards slowly, you know, dismantling these systems. Absolutely. And it and it's gonna be a slow, slow one because it is so much um it is so much to be done and to learn about, um and, and things that we aren't even talking about that that are systematically designed to oppress. And so I mean it, it's gonna be incredible to watch, um, incredible to see and you know, while we are protesting and marching and reposting, um, just being mindful that we are acknowledging people's mm-hmm. stories and experiences, and acknowledging um, and validating, you know, Black women's stories, experiences, and emotions during this time. And so I just want to thank you so much for coming and talking with me today and sharing your thoughts and your knowledge. Um, you know, people need to hear it. And so I, I'm excited for, you know, what's to come next and, and to continue to work. And I just thank, thank you so you, much. Thank you, Rhea. This has been nice. I'm, I'm always happy to have a platform at a time like this. So thank you so much for, you know, extending it to me. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for being here. This episode of Face to Face is dedicated to Brianna Taylor. Um, she was a 26-year-old Black woman who was fatally shot by Louisville Metro Police Department on March 13, 2020. Um, And this is something that continues to happen. Black women are suffering at the hands of police. Um, We have a very unique experience that is happening um, and we're not finding out about it until months later, weeks later. And so there will be a link in the description of this episode to support support this, this movement, to support Say Her Name, um, to find out more about Breonna Taylor's story um, and just to be able to donate and advocate and, and be helpful in any way that you can.